And the wheels on the counters are going round and round. Up and down, up, up and, and down. down. The wheels on the counter go round and round, up and down all day. Yay! It's too close to Easter for this. Jesus rolled the bowling ball <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> One of my favorite children's sermons ever from Pastor Reichert. See, this is why I don't do children's sermons. Church <laughs> in Space. Welcome, everybody, to Church in Space. In 3D. So today's topic is zombies in resurrection. Uh, zombie movies in general, I'll accept. So we'll start off with my rant about The Walking Dead. So if I take, like, biggest zombie property at the moment, right, it's The Walking Dead, right? If I think about the TV show, here's the thing. I stopped watching after, like, the fourth season or something like that because it was just the same thing over and mm-hmm. over and over. You know, like, get themselves into trouble, find a safe spot. Safe spot turns out to be overrun by a horde of walkers. Rinse, wash, repeat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And like every third or fourth time, they would have some kind of overlord. Right. And and then you meet psychopathic genius that survives mm-hmm. in post-apocalyptia. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it got very formulaic. I would be more interested in how do you build a new society? Here's my other thing about most zombie things. Like, just find the nearest castle, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The period where they found the yeah. prison. Right. Yeah. But that was perfect. That was yeah. perfect. But if you're in Europe, just go camp out at Windsor Castle with the Queen. Mm-hmm. Castles are literally built to keep masses of human beings out. out. As far as I know, zombies don't build siege engines. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about this before because yeah. it seemed like way too familiar about maybe. siege weapons yeah, and zombies. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> right, this is like the World War Z rage zombies. Yeah, yeah you're right. right. These were just the typical shambling, mindless. Right, and I understand how a billion of them walking in a row will like overwhelm you, but throw up a Mott and Bailey for God's sake. <laughs> 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 Find a hill, like build a circle wall around it ta-da yeah. just make sure every, it's like oil slick yeah so that nothing can get a hold of anything right yeah. then you're good right yeah. that's my rant on most zombie fiction the medieval scholars in post-apocalyptic zombie world would be the best people to be around because yeah. they would know <laughs> unless they already did it <laughs> anyway but zombies uh, and resurrection yeah so I have this theory about zombie properties movies mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in that zombie stuff gets popular when our society doesn't feel so good about itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starting all the way back with Night of the Living Dead. Right. Okay. I would say starting there and going forward. Because mm-hmm. it's not constantly popular, right? Like even now it's kind of like. It's waning. It's now. waning mm-hmm. a little bit, you know? But like when our society feels especially down on itself for whatever reason. Wasn't it the housing crisis? That's when yeah. Walking Dead started. Right. That's out, when right? I really remember Walking yeah. Dead, like mm-hmm. really catching on, right? It was like. 2008 housing crisis that's when zombie stuff really the fact that we're living dead yeah <laughs> that's when that stuff really starts to to catch on i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it starts swinging a comeback if there's some geopolitical things going on over in europe yeah so that's my basic theory is that zombie fiction somehow reveals this inner fear of ours that we're like our society is walking dead mm-hmm. or something like that does that make sense it Am does on track? it does I've actually seen an academic study. Mm-hmm. I presented a paper at a pop culture academic conference once, mm-hmm. and one of the papers was on that very topic. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And See? legit scholars mm-hmm. agreed. Their touch point was a little bit different. But yeah. That paper was based more on when it feels like the government has gotten more authoritarian. Mm-hmm. And so they were seeing the Cold War as mm-hmm. the yeah. impetus for the 
mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead. Right. It's functionally the exact yeah. of what you were saying. So scholars are behind you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes me think about like when the zombie games that came out from Call of Duty. Yeah. It was right around 2008-ish, and then, you know, went away for a bit, and then it came back, what, like last year or the year before? Mm-hmm. Right. When it started getting a little bit hairy. Right. With um, government's mm-hmm. <laughs> oversights. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So that's my theory. I accept this theory. Okay. <laughs> Definitively. I also think it's just pointless. The Fallout 3, or 4, yeah. where there's zombies just literally walking around the place not... They're not zombies, but they're the... Uh... Ghouls. Yes, 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 ghouls. <laughs> they look like zombies, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. But they kind of did die. Right. They're, they're not all there cognitively. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. take a lot for them to get pissed off and To turn you. into a yeah. right monster. Though. Yes. Well, you know what they say. I mean, there's a fine line between zombie and ghoul, so. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you definitely under that line, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know who they oh, is, but they now say it. Yes. <laughs> as of now. As they, of yes. now, they say it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. And also, like, this is, speaking of, like, building their own culture, like, this is what's going on in a I Am Legend. Yeah. Right. The Omega Look, Man right. iteration. Right. And both the book, but, like, there's an alternate ending to the movie. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen the alternate ending to the movie? No. So the Will Smith I Am Legend, yeah. the movie version, the actual theater version, it ends on he blows himself up to save the family. Yeah. And they take his blood and they go to the last human compound and it's kind of implied they find a cure from his blood and all that, right? If you look up I Am Legend alternate ending, it's much closer to the book. And I actually think they should have had the come on guys, have courage and <laughs> you <laughs> to have, have a downer ending. Right. Yeah, you yeah. should have done this ending where you know, the movie ends on he's they're trapped in his lab being besieged by the the zombie things. And They've managed to figure out Will Smith's got a former zombie that he's cured in his lab. Yeah. And the zombie draws the shape of her tattoo on the glass, you know, and it kind of implies that Jesus, these things are intelligent. Mm-hmm. And I've been, and suddenly you see like all the ones he's killed experimenting on to find this cure. Like, it's like, what if I become? That's much closer to both the book, but yeah. it's, it's much better ending. Well, and that's what I like about all of the iterations of it from the book itself Mm -hmm. all the way up through the different movie versions into Will Smith's version Mm -hmm. is that in all of them, there is an intelligence to the zombies. Yeah. And that gets to your point of having a culture. Mm -hmm. They clearly are developing their own culture. Right. As they're adapting to their new post-death lives. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That I find very, very interesting. I think Mm -hmm. that's what Richard Matheson was hinting at when he wrote it at the very beginning Mm-hmm. Part of why Matheson is such a good writer is he doesn't just do one level sci-fi. No. That's why all his Twilight Zone scripts are so good, too. There's always at least one more level to what he's writing. And I Am Legend was exactly the same. It's yeah. the implication that this is just a new humanity. It's not, mm-hmm. right. they're not really monsters. Right. So this brings me to two points. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number one, is Jesus a zombie? <laughs> Number two, are we technically zombies? As in, Christians. I'd say we're proto-zombies. Okay. <laughs> we're approaching zombie. Right. Okay. We've been baptized into his death so that we may be raised again. Right. Okay. Right. So, so. Yes. No, like, I've been listening the past couple of weeks because I'm always doing the, uh, if you get nothing else from this, and, you're, and you've been just talking about how the little deaths and the sacrifices, yeah. Yeah. and that kind of le- leads me to my point about are we zombies proto zombies yeah. and was jesus the second zombie right right and i think it is critical to point out second mm-hmm. because obviously lazarus would be the first 
So that's always interesting because like biblical scholars especially like to make a distinction between Lazarus is a resuscitation, not a resurrection. Oh, Peshaw. I, I know. Dude was dead. He was rotting. <laughs> you know, I mean, they talk about the stench coming yeah. out of the, the tomb. <laughs> I'm just saying that's technically right. Well, uh, did he actually have a conversation though? What? Lazarus. Lazarus? No, he's he doesn't actually get up. Well, if you read between the lines, he's pretty hungry when he comes out. Okay, he was. I mean, he's been dead for a couple of days. I right. mean, everyone would be hungry at that point. I mean, it only takes me a couple hours. Right. Yeah. He's hungry. He eats brains. What can he say? You know? <laughs> Roman soldiers went missing in Palestine for the rest of <laughs> According to some traditions, also Lazarus isn't dead. <laughs> He's perpetually alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. I think this is worth exploring deeper. Uh-huh. My first encounter with that idea was an audio drama. Essentially, the, the hero, mm-hmm. the protagonist in the story, is a monster hunter for the Vatican. I hope, by the way, that the Vatican has, like, secret ninjas or, like, monster hunters. They've got to. After all this time, I I mean, they don't have to. They really don't. They don't, but like I desperately want it to yeah. be true. That's what the Swiss Guard <laughs> yeah. really is. You know, they, they look so funky and harmless in their medieval <laughs> mm-hmm. pantaloons and everything, but that's because secretly they're this highly trained ninja corps <laughs> of demon and zombie hunters. Demon zombie hunters, yeah. But anyway, in that, in that audio drama, mm-hmm. there was a, a sudden surge of zombies in Eastern Europe, and mm-hmm. the Vatican had determined it's because Zombie Prime uh-huh. had started a new colony there to uh-huh. try to again infest the world with them. Uh-huh. And as he's hunting Zombie Prime, he realizes that Zombie Prime is Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And the church constantly tracks Lazarus mm-hmm. because if he thinks he's safe, he causes a zombie outbreak with the ultimate uh, goal of populating the entire world with zombies. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, this is like the, the character in um, Canticle for Leibowitz, if you've ever read that book, mm-hmm. which, which there's this character in the book who's kind of constantly in all three eras the book takes place in Dark Ages, Renaissance, and modern after the apocalypse right yeah and and like there's this character that's in all three eras you know and he's always this old man who's jewish but he's always looking for the messiah but he always says he's looking for him again you know and it's it's basically told at the end that it's lazarus you Mm -hmm. know and there's this great scene in the renaissance era where he goes up to the smartest person at the time and he looks at him and goes you're not him. <laughs> <laughs> then he walks away, very disappointed, you know. <laughs> the ultimate letdown for the poor person he says it to. Right. Yeah. It's like, you're not him. <laughs> He's so depressed yeah. after yeah. that. Yeah, I can imagine that character just walking up to Elon Musk and just saying, nope, I'm out. Right. <laughs> like, not you. <laughs> Whoever you are. Um, yeah, I mean, are we on? You know, I... I think this gets to the distinction between the fear that our culture has that we're walking dead and like mm-hmm. the actual promise that we get in Christianity is mm-hmm. that we're afraid that resuscitation is just the walking dead. Mm-hmm. But the actual promise is new, real, actual life. Yeah, I think that is the qualitative, like you're afraid of this, but actually this is what you get. I do wonder about that kind of thing because they say, you know, perfect body, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't know if I want that. Origin thought you were going to be a sphere. Yeah, you mm-hmm. mentioned that. So, yeah, I thought that was cool. But I've built an entire brand around having nine <laughs> fingers. Do I really want ten? No, you don't. No. I don't want a left ear that functions. It's who we are. Yeah. There's dents in our spheres. <laughs> <laughs> Not perfectly spherical. Dan's more like an oval. <laughs> I'm just a half a sphere. <laughs> we do not fit Plato's ideals. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but this is where like some disability theology actually makes a good point because... Just because, right, you have nine fingers doesn't mean you are not the way God intended your body to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, like in Drew's case, it's actually a strength that if he doesn't want to hear what you're saying, yeah. mm-hmm. he just turn around to the other ear. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and like I had a friend who she both has her theology degree, but also what she does is she teaches in like special ed mm-hmm. programs, you know, but but she pointed out like, do you really think that people with Down syndrome, for example, do you think in the New Jerusalem when they're resurrected, they won't have Down syndrome? Or is the fact that we consider Down syndrome a problem where the, the brokenness of our world actually lies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, she has a good point about that. It's like, who says Down syndrome would be a problem? Isn't this just another aspect of an ableist culture? Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're the, you know, we're the flawed ones and that we can't conceive of it as anything other than bad. Right. You know? Right. So I, I think, you know, things like nine figure, you know, the things that make us unique. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Drew, we're unique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unique. Mm-hmm. I'm still going with the dented sphere and the half sphere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. Yours has a collar on it. <laughs> no, I'm out of a job. That's the best thing about New Jerusalem. I'm unemployed. <laughs> but wait, are there actually jobs in New Jerusalem? Are there actually jobs in the in the New Jerusalem? Yeah, there's unemployment 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I don't actually know the answer to that. And then, I mean, yeah, who's taking care of infrastructure, right? Because yeah. if we're having bodies, we still need sewage plants, for example. Exactly. And their streets are made of, like, golden sapphires, so, like, they need to be maintained. Yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. And you get that raw sewage, right? Mm-hmm coming out because nobody's taking care uh, of it. just fall straight down. They all tarnished. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, that's part of the cube, right? It's described as a giant cube. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that's part of the cube is processing facilities. Which and... gets back to the whole point is the new <laughs> Jerusalem, as Drew has pointed out, is it really just the Borg? <laughs> yes. This is all propaganda from the Borg. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> they went back in time and they had one assimilated, would it be a king? Would you think a Borg king? Because, I mean, there is the Borg queen, but yeah. you think the Borg king traveled back in time and was Jesus. <laughs> that's why he can heal those nanorobots. That's that right. Exactly. Really... <laughs> exactly. And that's why, you know, he can be resurrected because uh, the nanobots get, get in you. And yes. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Hmm. Jesus was the Borg king. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, maybe onto something here. Yes. We maybe we went from yeah. <laughs> Jesus is a zombie to Jesus is the Borg king. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting there. In one episode. <laughs> Are there jobs in the New Jerusalem? Boy, is that an interesting question. I, God doesn't say work is bad. The curse in Genesis 3 after the fall is, is that work becomes toil. Mm-hmm. That the ground you shall labor and your labor will be toilsome. You know, that's actually mm-hmm. that's actually the curse. So I'd like to think there is work because there is this... Adam has work to do in the garden, right? He's supposed mm-hmm. to name and he's supposed to tend and care for the garden. And, mm-hmm. And so I'd like to think that there is work, but like that the effect of sin is that work is toilsome and fruitless. Yeah. So that there is work, but work is always meaningful and purposeful and life-giving. What's the line from Isaiah about work? Why do you work for that which does yeah. not satisfy? Yeah, so yeah. you would think that because it does satisfy, you would be able to do the work. Right, like, yeah. I would be thinking there has to be a—this uh, is t- totally something I would say. Mm-hmm. There has to be a bike shop in New Jerusalem. Someone, <laughs> like, there's just no way around it. Like, we have a recreational device that's a bicycle. Yeah. Someone's going to have to have a bike a, repair shop. A bike repair. I mean, uh, unless it's perfect all the time, which would be no, no fun. Think, no fun. Right. I think, yeah. well— and, even then, you need to build a new bike once in a while, right? Yeah. You know, like, so. Yeah. Or they're just all light cycles. Well, but even then, you need to improve your light cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. you got to go in and redo some of the code. Right. Debug it. 
yeah. debug it. And not just debug it, but like there's probably a better designed light cycle that needs to be built. Yeah. For, uh, you know, a sub light cycle? Faster than light cycle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for example, the light cycles all turn at 90 degree angles. Yeah. I mean, 45. 45 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, there's our first improvement right, right there. Yeah, right there. We've got. <laughs> I'm just imagining a dial now in the middle of the console. Yeah. And that right. allows you to change how many degrees right. you're actually going to turn. Yeah. We're, we're improving already upon this design. Yeah. <laughs> just one light cycle it just goes in one degree. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, every type of expert in the world needs to be listening to this podcast because we, we have solutions for everything. <laughs> for every possible problem. Yeah, yeah. We might create those problems, but we'll figure out the right. solutions. Yeah, exactly. We'll figure out the solutions. For a small fee. We will yes. answer <laughs> solutions. So what's your, this isn't our game, but like, what's your like scariest zombie version of the zombies? Like for me, it's the uh, 28 Days Later, right? The mm-hmm. Rage Zombies. Like that movie terrified me. <laughs> this is going to be probably different from what you expect. Uh-huh. But I'm going to say real life Rage Zombies. Real life. Rage. Real life. And that's because I've done the zombie run, uh-huh. 5K. Oh. Uh-huh. And the first time I did it, uh-huh. I didn't know there would be Rage Zombies. <laughs> you know, you just thought they'd all be walkers. Yeah, I thought it'd be all shambles on this. Yeah, and I get to the first level. You know, I climb up, get to the peak of this hill. There's, there's a bunch of what I thought were shambles zombies, <laughs> and they're like like sheep grazing in a pasture, uh-huh. right? Because to get to the top of the hill, it's this nice open field. Right, it's looking so bucolic uh-huh. and peaceful. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be such a pleasant 5K run. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, three rage zombies <laughs> pop up amidst the shambles zombies and come running after me. And it's like, oh my gosh, I was not expecting to be chased. In yes. this. Yeah. And it's, it's the darndest thing. That was my fastest 5K ever. Yeah. yeah. There's half of my brain was like, what, you fool? Right. This is just for fun. This is play. These are actors out here pretending to be racist. still people coming straight at you. There's another half of my brain. It's like, no, get out of here. They're going to kill you. (laughs) And so, man, I took off. (laughs) So... Just based on my real life experience, uh-huh. the real yeah, rage. this is not a makeup. I am definitely afraid of rage zombies. Okay, yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say Call of Duty zombies. Okay, yeah. I mean, the fact that there's Nazi zombies uh-huh. on top of that yeah. is a like little. Nazi zombies are a little, yeah. yeah, yeah. Call of Duty Wolfenstein, the Call of Duty rage zombies. Yes. Nazi, Nazi zombies. Yes, Nazi zombies. That would be bad. We've agreed with that. Yeah. All right, man. Theologically, Mm -hmm. are there any theologians that go with the idea of Lazarus being the first zombie, or is is that just some in popular lore that's built up over time? Uh, It's a pop. Well, so like the idea that Lazarus doesn't die is a popular lore thing, but it's such a popular lore thing that like it could be true. Well, you can go back and find it in the Gospel of John, actually. Whoa! Um, Yes, do tell. Well, so. So, okay, first off, Gospel of John has this character, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah. Yep. Right. Who many speculate was John himself, right? Well, so right. So most often it's John, but there's another subset that says it's Lazarus. Hmm. Ah. And it's Lazarus because Lazarus is the only person in the Gospel of John who's described as somebody whom Jesus loved. Right. Actually mm-hmm. cries right. when he hears cries. that Lazarus is dead. But the people say, look at how he loved him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So there's this subset that that's Lazarus. If that's Lazarus, that's who it is. There's this hmm. piece at the end of the Gospel of John where it's right after the resurrection and they're having fish on the beach with Jesus. And Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep mm-hmm. three times, right? It says, do you love me? And then after Peter goes, yes. And he says, feed my sheep. 
And then Jesus gives Peter this warning that says, well, you're going to die in such a way that you're not going to have much control over your life. Right. Gives that warning. And then Peter asks, well, what about him? Pointing at the disciple whom Jesus loved. And Jesus says, if I will that he that he lives until I return again, what is that to you? And then John adds this little editor's note, right? Uh The the narrator actually speaks and says, he did not say this to confirm that he would live until he came again, but just to say what business is it of yours, right? So so the narrator felt compelled to break the fourth wall. Right, broke the fourth wall on this one. So my New Testament professor always thought that the disciple whom Jesus loved is Lazarus, and that what that verse is about is that it's this rumor that was evidently going all the way back to the early church that Lazarus would live forever, and this is John's way of saying, you silly fools, <laughs> that's not what this is about. Wasn't Lazarus somehow related to Jesus? No, he's related to Mary and Martha. Okay. He's their brother, and he's good friends. Yeah. Okay. You know, best friends, basically. And Mary and Martha, that's the whole feasting at the house, foot-washing incident? Yes. Okay. Yeah, same group. They provide material aid in some, you know, they're the, the kind of supporters of Jesus' mm-hmm. movement, you yeah. know, if you will. So it's a it's a legend. It's a legend that Scripture doesn't agree with, you know, again— but it's evidently such an old legend that even John himself felt the need to say something about said legend. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. That makes the line about saying that the disciple that he loved is now his mother's son. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense now. Yes. That it's... In that, given that theory, that yeah. makes a right. lot more sense. Yes. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I, I think Lazarus, as the disciple whom Jesus loved, solves a lot of problems, you know. Yeah. This is the hard part. He serves a literary function. You're supposed to insert yourself into that character. Yeah. You know, he, he serves as a... He represents us. Right. He goes unnamed purposefully to, you know, it's a literary thing. So yeah. he serves unnamed so that you can insert yourself in the story. Mm-hmm. Like how Master Chief is always unmasked. This mm-hmm. is the part where I think, you know, it's very intriguing. Uh-huh. So I have to think, what would Dan Brown say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, had he just maintained it was fiction, like, I would have been fine. <laughs> you know, it's that he, like, went all this time being like, no, so much of it is true. It's like, no, it's not, dude. Like, <laughs> like we've got the minutes from the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> like, it's not. The church has been a bureaucracy for so long. Right. right. Like, we have the results. <laughs> yeah. In agonizing detail. Right. Yeah. right. Like, they're called the canons of Nicaea. Like, they're there, you know? Like, <laughs> Like we have what the results of the committee meeting was. Nowhere on there it's is there Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. Like that was not on the on the agenda. No. <laughs> Cardinal Antonia seconded the motion. Right, know? yeah, right. It's like Anyway. Anyway, our game. Let's do our game. Uh so our game is favorite character that has been resurrected in science fiction. And this is Drew's game, so Drew gets to go first. Favorite character? Revan. Kodor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 That's a good, that's a good choice. Yep. Good job. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was not expecting you to go No, there. I didn't see that coming either. That's, yeah. that's good. I know. Okay, why? Um, Otherwise, it'd be our world's shortest game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, number one, it wasn't going to be Gandalf or Aslan. Uh-huh. I feel like those are cop-outs. Uh-huh. Right. And like I was thinking about, okay, who else is actually worthy? 
uh-huh. of being a character that's to be resurrected. And Revan was my choice. Uh-huh. Being worthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Superman, all these, you know, comic book characters get resurrected. I mean, Deadpool is constantly resurrected. Well, that's but, a superpower, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. But who is actually worthy mm-hmm. was Revan. Yeah. And I cannot wait until the live action one comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. Boy, now you got me. I got to think about this a little bit now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Give yours while I ponder. I'm thinking mm. too. So <laughs> I'm using your I'm using your time Jeez. to ponder mine. Okay. Because it's a, it's a hard question. Yeah. Dan, are you pondering what I'm pondering? <laughs> Same as we're always pondering. <laughs> Trying right, to take I'm over go the, with the low hanging fruit uh, oh. and do Gandalf from Gray to White. Yeah, from Gray to White. I'll do it because I think I think Tolkien does it so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I, I think it's low hanging fruit, but it's good low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, in that he just does that that line where he goes, I've been sent back. You know, it's like, nope, you're not done yet. <laughs> like sorry Balrog was a glitch right. you still got stuff to do right. you yeah. killed the Balrog good job you were supposed to do that but yeah. I, I, there's still an agenda item here you know like, <laughs> again we're back to the committee right yeah. Right. It's like, it's like there is still stuff to do in this meeting go and beat Sauron <laughs> you have not finished your action items right <laughs> your checklist isn't done so right. you can't, yeah. can't move on you gotta move gotta do this yeah, you know, that that transition is wonderfully done. This is where Tolkien's, you know, it's not an allegory. It's like the lady doth protest a little too uh-huh. much. Like, he literally falls into the deepest pit on the earth, slays like, a demon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then ascends to heaven. Okay. Parallel? No, yeah, I don't see it. Right, I don't see it at all. It's so perpendicular, it's got to be parallel. Right. <laughs> I watched the Lord of the Rings once with somebody who had like never encountered the story. And it's weird for me because like I like my dad read me Lord of the Rings like when I was a kid. I had like the books on tape for a while. You know, like I've been so inoculated into the Lord of the Rings world that like I don't ever remember being shocked that Gandalf came back. Hmm. You know, but like I kind of thought about it. I was like, well, if you're actually so this person was like getting to this when we got to Return of the King. No, not Return of the King. Two Towers. Right. When, he, when you get to that scene in Fangorn, we're like, it's like, what do you mean Gandalf's back? <laughs> and I thought about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be pretty mind blowing. <laughs> you know, like when I was watching it, they're like, he's back. I was like, all right. Like, yeah, <laughs> that would be like shocking. Like to me, I'm like, it's just this moment you got to get to, which is great. Yeah. But, and nowadays know. that couldn't happen because everything gets spoiled. Oh, one actor is coming back on set or something like that. So it would never... It would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I was like, oh yeah, that would be pretty shocking. Like if you'd never had experienced this Mm -hmm. series before, you know, like and really had no knowledge that, oh right, yeah, he's a... Like he's an angelic being sent back from God. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Tell like that. I'll take Gandalf. Boy, I've got two. Mm -hmm. One's kind of low hanging. One's more obscure. I'm going to go with more obscure first. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. John Doe, an old, not so old, maybe a decade ago, mm-hmm. TV series. Okay. This guy dies, comes back, and essentially knows everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like suddenly his IQ is boosted, and he just knows all these facts. Mm-hmm. So it's as if when he died, he touched God, right? Mm-hmm. And that omnipotence, because of that interaction, stayed with him when he comes back. Okay. And it's mm-hmm. just intriguing how it all unfolds to have this guy who can do anything— 
Right. Essentially. You know, it's not like the knowledge is always there in the forefront, mm-hmm. but when he needs it, mm-hmm. it comes up. Hmm. So I just love that. I, I thought it was well-written. I liked how he wasn't truly omniscient per se, but he had access to omniscience. Mm-hmm. Just this really cool way of playing it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like that. And how he had to interact with the world as mm-hmm. a result. But the low-hanging fruit, what seems low-hanging fruit on the surface, is the master from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole regeneration sequence started just as a convenient way of maintaining the series after the original actor yeah. who played the Doctor, he got really sick, and so he had to retire from the series. Mm-hmm. And th- what a cool way of keeping the series going. Right. The reason I like the Master is he had more than his prescribed 13 regenerations. Mm-hmm. And I just like how he is so insidiously evil <laughs> that he has worked out multiple ways over the years of getting around that regeneration limit. <laughs> and I just thought none of the ways he's done it mm-hmm. have been tired tropes. They've yeah. always come up with a new way he's gotten around it. Whereas the doctor, it was kind of kind of a cop-out as how mm-hmm. they got him around the 13 gen- right. regeneration limit. They did it in two ways. And that was just kind of cop-outish to me. But the master, I thought, was very cool. I just was disappointed. In which iteration of it? Well, all of it. All of it. I mean, the book of Saxon was really dumb. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how the master was. It Missy? Is that the next iteration after after Saxon was Missy? Yeah, yeah. Because there was no master with Smith, right? Right. Which was weird. Yeah, but but that's part of what I like when you get into the Saxon one. Mm-hmm. Is is that really the master? Which you one? Know, the second one or the first one? Second. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's the whole stopwatch data storage. Of Time Lord thing. Oh, so the first one, yeah. Okay. It's almost like, and we've talked about this before, right? The body is reconstructed, mm-hmm. and then the memories and programming of the Master are infused. Mm-hmm. But is that really the Master now? Or is mm-hmm. the Master dead, and this is the Master zombie that's now going through all these? It would be the latter. Because, I mean, if we're, if we're thinking about the Triune self, even if you regenerate, you, would, you, you do die. Yeah. Like, I can't remember who says it, but one of the recent ones is saying, like, yeah, Oh, it was Tenet. It was Tenet. It's like he still feels it when he dies. Yeah. Like it is an actual death. Yeah. And that's why none of the doctors look forward to their regeneration. Mm-hmm. I'll be the same, but I'll be different. Yes. And I do like that aspect of it because mm-hmm. they could have copped out and maintained, the writers could have maintained the same doctor personality all through. Mm-hmm. But every doctor's had a distinct personality. And they're always shocked when they meet themselves. <laughs> it's like, yeah. usually with disgust of like, oh, you're me? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part is in the 50th where it's the with the with the sonics <laughs> right down to the very first doctor yeah looking at the capaldi doctor mm-hmm. and said what is that it's a sonic screwdriver what's that he had yeah. no idea mm-hmm. yeah what are you gonna do assemble a cabinet at me? yeah <laughs> brilliant yes but that's that's why in some ways it's low-hanging fruit but i love how the writers mm have handled it. They mm-hmm. just didn't completely cop out with yeah. it. They always handle it with some panache, and I like that. So yeah. that's why I'm going to go for that as my, my other one, in addition to the obscure John Doe series. Okay, now who would win in the battle between our four choices? Well, Gandalf's literally an archangel, or an angel, not an archangel, an angel. I have a lightsaber <laughs> and access to the force. It's literally a so, divine being. So, <laughs> God. So, 
So I would have to say the master then, because he would let those two battle it out. <laughs> well, he but just stayed Re- in the background. But Revenant and Gandalf would figure that out pretty quickly. <laughs> How does Gandalf not just like unsheathe himself in his full angelic glory and like burn the eyes? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the master could regenerate. And in that regeneration blast, kill everybody. Interesting concept. Maybe they just they fight forever. Yes, endlessly fought in this like they're at time dying and yeah, rising. Re- yeah, Revan can become one with the force. Right. So yeah, right. They're just endlessly in combat. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gosh, that would get tedious. It would. But this podcast never gets tedious, which is why, Dan, <laughs> it is on. That was a smooth transition, folks. Yes. <laughs> We're getting really good at that transition, too. It is on! You're right. I'm telling you right now, it is on! Is it on, like Donkey Kong playing Pokemon on Alderaan? Wow. Okay, this podcast can be found on the platforms of... I'm, sorry. I'm laughing so hard it wasn't making any noise. <laughs> it is on Apple Podcasts. It... It's officially not on Google Podcasts, but yet 25%, actually 24.3% of our listeners get it from Google Podcasts. So I don't know how that's working. Mm -hmm. Audible and Amazon and something else I'm forgetting and Podbean. All right. (laughs) And if you're on any of those platforms, leave us a rating. Yeah. Because it helps us. It does. Mm -hmm. It helps us. Even if you hate it, it helps us. Right, yeah. So one star, you know? Yeah. We're, we're fine. It yeah, helps you, us. You don't have to commit. Right. <laughs> yeah, there fine. are infinite stars out there. Just choose one yeah. or five. It's mm-hmm. fine. Oh, and also our Facebook page. Yes. yes. It's on there, and it's on relc.org, our website. It is on our website. I keep forgetting about those. Yeah, who needs anything about the church? <laughs> this is a church enterprise. Who needs it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. This has been Church in Space. In 3D. Talk to you later. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Drew. Did you bring the brains? Brains? I ate them on the way in. I think we have some late word of just arriving, and I'll interrupt to bring this to you. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Medical examinations of some of the victims bore out the fact that they had been partially devoured. It's hard for us here to believe what we're reporting to you, but it does seem to be a fact.